0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. plus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Seahawk by Rafael Sabatini chapter four the intervener the parson had notions of writing after sir oliver and begged master Bane to join him but the justice looked down his long nose and opined that no good purpose was to be served that Tresilian's were ever wild and bloody men and that an angry tresillian was a thing to be avoided sir andrew who was far from valorous thought there might be wisdom in the justice's words and remembered that he had troubles enough of his own with a froward wife without taking up the burdens of others master godolphin and sir oliver between them quoth the justice had got up this storm of theirs a god's name let them settle it and if in the settling they should cut each other's throats haply the countryside would be well rid of a brace of turbulent fellows the peddler deemed them a couple of madmen whose ways were beyond the understanding of a sober citizen. The others, the fishermen and the rustics, had not the means to follow even had they had the will. They dispersed to put abroad the news of that short furious quarrel and to prophesy that blood would be let in the adjusting of it. This prognostication they based entirely upon their knowledge of the short Tressilian way, but it was a matter in which they were entirely wrong. It is true that Sir Oliver went galloping along that road that follows the Penryn River, and that he pounded over the bridge in the town of Penryn in Master Godolphin's wake with murder in his heart. Men who saw him riding wildly thus with the red wheel across his white, furious face said that he looked a very devil. He crossed the bridge at Penryn a half hour after sunset, as dusk was closing into night, and it may be that the sharp, frosty air had a hand in the cooling of his blood." for as he reached the river's eastern bank he slackened his breakneck pace, even as he slackened the angry galloping of his thoughts. The memory of that oath he had sworn three months ago to Rosamond smote him like a physical blow. It checked his purpose, and, reflecting this, his pace fell to an amble. He shivered to think how near he had gone to wrecking all the happiness that lay ahead of him. What was a boy's whiplash? That his resentment of it should set all his future life in jeopardy even though men should call him a coward for submitting to it and leaving the insult unavenged what should that matter moreover upon the body of him who did so proclaim him he could brand the lie of a charge so foolish sir oliver raised his eyes to the deep sapphire dome of heaven where an odd star was glittering frostily and thanked god from a swelling heart that he had not overtaken peter godolphin whilst his madness was upon him a mile or so below penryn he turned up the road that ran down to the ferry there and took his way home over the shoulder of the hill with a slack rein it was not his usual way he was wont ever to go round by trefuse's point that he might take a glimpse at the walls of the house that harboured rosamond and a glance at the window of her bower but to-night he thought the shorter road over the hill would be the safer way if he went by Godolphin court, he might chance to meet Peter again, and his past anger warned him against courting such a meeting, warned him to avoid it lest evil should be tied. Indeed, so imperious was the warning, and such were his fears of himself after what had just passed, that he resolved to leave Pinero on the next day. Whither he would go he did not then determine. He might repair to London, and he might even go upon another cruise, an idea which he had lately dismissed under rosamond's earnest intercession but it was imperative that he should quit the neighbourhood and place a distance between peter godolphin and himself until such time as he might take rosamond to wife eight months or so of exile but what matter better so than that he should be driven into some deed that would compel him to spend his whole lifetime apart from her he would write and she would understand and approve when he told her what had passed that day the resolve was firmly implanted in him by the time he reached Pinaro, and he felt himself uplifted by it, and by the promise it afforded him, that thus his future happiness would be assured. Himself he stabled his horse, for of the two grooms he kept, one had, by his leave, set out yesterday to spend Christmas in Devon with his parents, the other had taken a chill and had been ordered to bed that very day by Sir Oliver, who was considerate with those that served him in the dining-room he found supper spread and a great log fire blazed in the enormous cowled fireplace diffusing a pleasant warmth through the vast room and flickering ruddily upon trophies of weapons that adorned the walls upon the tapestries and the portraits of dead hearing his step old nicholas entered bearing a great candle-branch which he set upon the table you'm late sir oliver said the servant and master lionel baint home yet neither sir oliver grunted and scowled as he crunched a log and set it sizzling under his wet heel he thought of malpas and cursed lionel's folly as without a word he loosed his cloak and flung it on an oaken coffer by the wall where already he had cast his hat then he sat down and nicholas came forward to draw off his boots when that was done the old servant stood up again sir oliver shortly bade him to serve supper master lionel cannot be long now said he and give me to drink, Nick, tis what I most require. I've brewed a posset a canary sack, announced nicholas there be no better supping o' a frosty winter's night, Sir Oliver. He departed to return presently with a blackjack that was steaming fragrantly. He found his master still in the same attitude, staring at the fire and frowning darkly. Sir Oliver's thoughts were still of his brother and Malpas, and so insistent were they that his own concerns were for the moment quite neglected. He was considering whether it was not his duty, after all, to attempt a word of remonstrance. At length he rose with a sigh and got to table. There he bethought him of his sick groom, and asked Nicholas for news of him. Nicholas reported the fellow to be much as he had been, whereupon Sir Oliver took a cup and brimmed it with the steaming posset. "'Take him that,' he said. "'There's no better medicine for such an ailment.' Outside fell a clatter of hooves. "'Here be, Master Lionel, at last,' said the servant." no doubt agreed sir oliver no need to stay for him here is all he needs carry that to tom ere it cools it was his object to procure the servant's absence when lionel should arrive resolved as he was to greet him with a sound rating for his folly reflection had brought him the assurance that this was become his duty in view of his projected absence from pinero and in his brother's interest he was determined not to spare him He took a deep draught of the posset, and as he set it down he heard Lionel's step without. Then the door was flung open, and his brother stood on the threshold a moment at gaze. Sir Oliver looked round with a scowl, the well-considered reproof already on his lips. "'So,' he began, and got no further. The sight that met his eyes drove the ready word from his lips and mind. Instead it was with a sharp gasp of dismay that he came immediately to his feet. "'Lionel!' "'Lionel lurched in, closed the door, "'and shot home one of its bolts. "'Then he leaned against it, facing his brother again. "'He was deathly pale, with great dark stains under his eyes. "'His ungloved right hand was pressed to his side, "'and the fingers of it were all smeared with blood "'that was still oozing and dripping from between them. "'Over his yellow doublet on the right side "'there was a spreading dark stain "'whose nature did not intrigue Sir Oliver a moment. My. "'God!' he cried, and ran to his brother. "'What's happened, Lyle? Who's done this?' "'Peter Godolphin!' came the answer from lips that writhed in a curious smile. "'Never a word,' said Sir Oliver, but he set his teeth and clenched his hands until the nails cut into his palms. "'Then he put an arm about this lad he loved above all save one in the whole world, "'and with anguish in his mind he supported him forward to the fire. "'There Lionel dropped to the chair that Sir Oliver had lately occupied.' "'What is your hurt, lad? Has it gone deep?' he asked, in terror almost. "'Tis not a flesh wound, but I have lost a mort of blood. "'I thought I should have been drained, or ever I got me home.' With fearful speed Sir Oliver drew his dagger and ripped away doublet, vest, and shirt, laying bare the lad's white flesh. A moment's examination, and he breathed more freely. "'Art a very babe, Lal,' he cried in his relief to ride without thought to staunch so simple a wound and so lose all this blood bad tresilian blood though it be he laughed in the immensity of his reaction from that momentary terror <laughs> stay thou there whilst i call nick to help us dress this scratch no no there was a note of sudden fear in the lad's voice and his hand clutched at his brother's sleeve nick must not know none must know or i am undone else Sir Oliver stared, bewildered. Lionel smiled again that curious, twisted, rather frightened smile. "'I gave better than I took, Nall,' said he. "'Master Godolphin is as cold by now as the snow on which I left him.' His brother's sudden start and the fixed stare from out of his slowly paling face scared Lionel a little. He observed, almost subconsciously, the dull red wheel that came into prominence as the color faded out of Sir Oliver's face yet never thought to ask how it came there. His own affairs possessed him too completely. "'What's this?' quoth Oliver at last, hoarsely. Lionel dropped his eyes, unable longer to meet a glance that was becoming terrible. "'He would have it,' he growled almost sullenly, answering the reproach that was written in every line of his brother's taut body. "'I had warned him not to cross my path, but tonight I think some madness had seized upon him,' he affronted me noll he said things which it was beyond human power to endure and (sighs) he shrugged to complete his sentence well well said oliver in a small voice first let us tend this wound of yours